Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 Exciting football action continues on Daily Fantasy at Yahoo, and it's better than ever this year. Yahoo Daily Fantasy recently released a new $300,000 NFL baller contest with $30,000 to first place, and it's only $10 to enter. You have to check this out today. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with a little cash. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. That's easy. Yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. And when you make your first deposit, use promo code POD25, P-O-D-25, for $25 in free play. That's POD25 for $25 free dollars. Make it happen. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. October 17th, PFF forecast. We're going to talk a little Jalen Ramsey. We're going to do the lock of the week. Um, and we've got a good story from the Cincy Wise. So we're going to talk about all the games, but the most important games at the front. So let's get it going. Um, I want to talk about Jalen Ramsey, but you said something that we just have to address immediately. What's that? I don't know if I've ever actually seen an overweight vegan, but you brought this to my attention. And uh, I'm struggling to to comprehend. How, how does that happen? Uh, I I think it very easily happens. Really? Right? How, so explain this to me. So you're you well, isn't isn't like well because we were talking about uh, somebody who's running for president currently, right? Yeah, who and, proclaimed and, themselves a vegan? And he proclaimed himself a vegan, and I asked myself the question: Is like how 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 much is the veganism being adhered to if somebody is not like thin? I don't get it. Why would you punish yourself to like eat healthy and then all of a sudden just goes to waste? So what are you eating if you're a vegan and you're overweight? Are you just like pounding an absurd amount of vegetables? No, I think it would be like the almond butter. Ooh, You're just smashing almond just butter. Smashing just all, almond butter. Just, it's just nuts day. for days. <laughs> all right. That's how you get into a, a Thursday morning podcast. News that actually matters in the NFL. Uh, actually, you know who's vegan is Cam Newton. And he seems to be in decent shape. Oh, sure. Well, sure, except sure. for the Arian Foster, thing. except for the occasional chicken sandwich, <laughs> except for the injury thing. Miles um, Garrett, who probably is in the best shape of any human in the NFL. I don't know if he's vegan or not, um, but he got punched in the face yesterday, or as he called it, a love tap by a fan. Also, did you see that? They called him a fan. 
can't really be a fan if no. you punch someone in no, the no, face. That, but, uh, although we know some Browns fans, and they are true. they are irrational enough to punch a player in the face. If I came up to you and punched you in the face, you wouldn't be like, yeah, big fan. <laughs> he just wants more. He just he just wants to challenge him. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Jalen Ramsey gets traded to the Los Angeles Rams for two firsts and a fourth, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, was the. Was the compensation. So the Rams no longer have any first round picks until Jared Goff's contract is up. They trade away Marcus Peters. They get Jalen Ramsey. So my my first question to you is, was this a panic move or was it one made with sound logical reasoning? Uh, I think it was a panic move. Um, Explain. Well, I mean... Because I agree, there are a couple. Personally. There are a couple reasons why the Rams would make this move. We just saw our our colleague Kevin Cole tweeted out when Demoff talked about um, this idea that with this new CBA, there's less time to develop players, and it takes three years worth of what it used to be to develop a player in terms of yeah. practice time. I get that, I understand that, but I also think that the league is changing to a point where the Chiefs offense is very similar to the Texas Tech offense. So do you really need as much practice time? And is it worth the additional salary you have to pay uh, veteran players? So I still side on the fact of young, cheap talent matters. Um, and a lot of young, cheap talent matters. Spread out your risk. Right now, the the Los Angeles Rams are taking a huge gamble that Jalen Ramsey is not only going to be worth what his salary will end up being, but also the value of those multiple picks will be. So from a football perspective, I don't like it from a understanding that the Rams have already left L.A. once and you're building a stadium and you're competing with another team for that city's fandom. And you're also competing for for the fandom of a bunch of, uh, you know, um, you know, there's media in in L.A. that you're competing against that people in Minneapolis, St. Paul are competing against. Right. So I get it. You expand more on that. I, I get why they did it from the perspective of they need to make a splash. It's just that's th- that's that's it. That's, that's all the you only could thing. have stopped there. That's the whole reason they've done this. There there is no way that they're ready to make it back to the Super Bowl given the way their offense is currently playing and the way that Jared Goff is playing. Period. Point blank. Just no chance. They could add the five best corners in the NFL. It's not gonna it's not gonna matter. But this is a reaction to what was a an inflection point for the Rams organization. They make it to the Super Bowl last year. They're a play away from having a legit chance to win the Super Bowl, right? If Brandon Cooks comes down with that. They are hosting a team that is undefeated in their own division who last year was god-awful. And they were visitors in their own stadium by a country mile. That was all Niners fans. And the Niners ripped them to shreds and they are building a huge new stadium. I'm not sure if you know where the Super Bowl is going to be hosted and they have to take every shot in the world to be relevant in that stadium next year or else it is going to be an absolute disaster because you can't play 16 road games a year. You just can't do that. So that is why it was a panic move and that's why I understand where they're coming from. Was there another player that you were going to get on the market in your mind um, that helps them more than Jalen Ramsey? No, um, Trent Williams, Trent Williams could, but they already have a left tackle, right? So where does a right tackle, uh, right. And their issue is not the Rams issue offensively is not their offensive line on the tackle. It's the interior of the offensive line stinks. And Jared Goff is not responding to pressure. 
particularly well. Ramsey certainly helps, especially in the short term. But the other thing that makes us curious, and I think our, our friend Evan Silva said this on Twitter yesterday, is that Ramsey has a ton of leverage over the Rams. Mm-hmm. Like if the Rams don't give him the if the Rams the don't give him the, the best, the highest you know, deal of any defensive player uh, in, in league history, he doesn't have to play for them, nope. right? And you just dumped a bunch of uh, uh, draft capital on this player. Now, I can't imagine. I can't imagine they're not planning to do that, right? Which is also a curious move because what we know about coverage are two things. It's massively important, right? So if you want to predict winning, it is the most important component on the defensive side of the ball. But it's also very hard to actually predict how well it is going to perform from week to week. So Mm -hmm. it is both valuable, but also hard to pin down, which emphasizes the importance of spending cheaply on it. So you want to spend draft capital that's valuable, but not necessarily the money on the back end. And this is the opposite of that, right? They are paying a ton of draft capital, but also basically being forced to pay him a ton of money to a position where, look, the, the list of cornerbacks that have been been hall of famers and then the next year been terrible is is a lot now i'm not saying that i think jalen ramsey i actually believe in i think jalen ramsey is that stefan gilmore um level of corner that you invest in but but in terms of production we're talking about a very good year in 2017 you know the better part of a win Mm -hmm. above replacement last season less so and this season less so in the 209 snaps he's played he's a very talented player but again the issue is and we talked about this you know, with, with plenty of teams that trade up, right? This idea that you know that you know that you know a player is going to be good is egregious with a draft pick where you're not paying a lot of money mm-hmm. to him. It's even worse sometimes when it's a veteran player uh, and you end up with uh, you know, not only the contract, but also the issue of your foregoing the opportunity to take a bunch of swings at the plate in, in lieu of a... Uh, in lieu of a player who's great, but you know doesn't play a particularly stable position, they're also the third best team in their division right now. Well, that's what I. This is the thing that I don't so. understand: is that if you any any sort of formal any handicap of this division, I think the when I looked at the betting markets, they were plus four hundred to win the West. Um, you know, so implied probability of like twenty percent, mm-hmm. right? We actually have them a lot lower at seven percent, just because of the way the schedule works out and everything like that. And that's not even to consider the fact that even if you win the NFC West, you're not getting a first round buy all the time. So like if you want to win the Super Bowl, you're asking me to say, okay, let's get a wild card and go on the road three times to Jared Goff in, in January. No sale for me. I it, that's that's the really hard part is they're taking a very speculative leap. And and the I, the problem is is if if let's say they finish nine and seven and out of the NFC playoff race, that's a decent finish, right? That's a you know carry the two six and four finish for them, and that still isn't good enough, I don't think, nope. right? Because the LA the LA bar is very high, and you know so I get where they're oh you, you know, know it is you, I, I get where they're backed into here, um, but I also uh, don't understand um, you know uh, their logic in terms of you know, where this should go. What is also clear, I've been telling you this for a while because, you know, having lived in Los Angeles, the uh, healing powers of the West Coast, the best coast, yeah. are are many. And you as someone that occasionally has a, you know, a calf cramp or a little back ailment, the, uh, the, the sea breezes can cure those 
pretty quickly. I've never, I've never not enjoyed LA. <laughs> uh, it's amazing that his back is perfectly fine. Jalen Ramsey is in my list. I think I always talk about this like group of my favorite players, Deshaun Watson, Alvin Kamara. I think Jalen Ramsey's in there. I don't know. I just, I just like him. Yeah. The, um, so and to sort of maybe feed back into this sort of revisiting our 10 picks from earlier in the season. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's sort of interesting to see. Um, it's sort of interesting to see, like I had, I picked Andrew Luck who no longer is in the league per your prediction. I also picked Russell Wilson, who's probably the MVP of the league. And, you know, but at the same time, like there, it's interesting at the beginning of the season, we had higher marks on guys like Mayfield, guys like Beckham, guys like Ramsey. And, some of those things haven't shaken out. I took Travis Kelsey as my tight end, and so far he's been kind of meh. So uh, it's kind of fun to see, you know, who's emerging in the NFL, who's sort of regressing a little bit. I think Ramsey is somebody who will be very interesting to see. Like he's somebody, as you said, is the favorite player of a lot of people. And, and does he live up to it? We'll, we'll get to see in, in broad daylight here. In broad daylight, yes, because the sun shines yep. out there. Okay, that's enough LA talk for one podcast. So here's what we're going to do for the games this week. We used to go in just order, and the problem is there's too many crappy games. That's just so mm-hmm. we're going to pick our. There's only a few games that we really have in contention for yeah. the lock of the week, deserving of putting money that may go to um, that if we win, we'll go yeah. to to charity. Break well, our losing streak of lock of the week as we were one. Rams. Two and one. Another week. reason that the Rams are just a disaster is they apparently did not want to donate to charity, could not cover against the Niners. Obviously, they couldn't even win. And so we're trying to get back off the shine. So the Rams, not in consideration this week. But we're going to talk about those games first. Then we're going to pick the lock with the lock of the week of the uh, will be. Holy cow. Then we're going to go over the rest of the games kind of quickly. And we'll close out with the Cincy Y. Sound good? All right, Thursday night, your Chiefs going into Denver. Now, this line has moved quite a bit mm-hmm. and i think to me I, I have a kind of bold take here i if i'm the chiefs i am considering resting pat mahomes in this game i mean you gave me a lot of crap on that sunday night game when we were working and and they were like really struggling i said Yep. Forget it. Put Matt Moore in. Right. This this he doesn't give you a ton of crap. Yeah, yeah. He's not he's not moving well. This game's over. Blah blah blah. And now, because we still have the Chiefs with about a seventy percent chance to win the uh, to go to the playoffs, win the NFC West. Frankly, um, you know, because the Los Angeles Chargers are their main contender, probably still are, and they're two and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Oakland Raiders are the only other team with a winning record in this division, and they still aren't particularly good. Denver, two wins in a row, but have Joe Flacco a quarterback. This is fact. I think this is a I think this is a kitchen sink game for the Chiefs. Oh. Win really? this I think you win this game, you get the ten days off. Um you actually you get then get Packers on Sunday night football the following week, which is a game that will be a marquee game. Yep. Game of the year potential i think you have to, i think if you're the chiefs like this game is not a must-win game obviously but it is a very it is it is far more of a must-win game than last week against houston was um just because denver is a team that is significantly worse than you at the most important places and and you're coming i mean you have to restore order here in the afc west yes and my 
I just think that Mahomes doesn't look right. His ankle is messed up and he's just battling through it. And if you want to win a Super Bowl, you can't let this linger throughout the whole season. You have the Packers coming up. That is selfishly a game that he has to play in because it's it's against the Packers and it's on Sunday Night Football. And if he doesn't, I might, you know, go pay a call to Patrick Mahomes. But um, I think they could beat the Broncos without him. Because it's a kitchen sink game, and Andy Reid is so good at, at play calling that I think he could legitimately do it. The hottest take of the day is that Matt Moore versus Joe Flacco would give the Chiefs a win. I love it. Because what, uh, like, is no. there that big of a difference? And and you have Andy Reid calling plays. I, with If you have Kelsey and Hill out there, maybe Sammy Watkins, is he? He's probably out. Yeah, yeah. he's out. Um, but if you have those two guys and Matt Moore and Andy Reid, I think you can beat the Broncos. Here's the thing about the Chiefs that if you're a Chiefs fan, should give you hope, but it's also something that should, should concern you. Patrick Mahomes over the last three weeks has not been an MVP candidate. Right. He is... He is in the bottom half of the league in terms of producing negatively graded throws. He, you know, has struggled under pressure. He is not healthy. And like you and I both thought, okay, this team, as far as, you know, per, you know perturbations are concerned, can score with Byron Pringle at wide receiver, can score, you know, with uh, Tyree Kill out, can score without a left tackle. And the fact of the matter is that some of those things have started to have an impact on the Chiefs. So what I'm leading up to in a very long-winded way is that if I think the Chiefs can beat the Broncos with Matt Moore at quarterback, I do agree that three is probably a little short given that Mahomes, even at maybe, say, 75%, is going to play. And as you said, it's a division game, so there's an element of kitchen sinkness to this that will probably be at play. So the line is currently three. That's down from, gosh, the lookhead was close to five. I want to say it was four and a half earlier in the week. It yeah. is um, steamed down and it was at even money at minus three just at up until last night. The last time I looked, it was minus one Oh five. So there's certainly still more of an appetite for the Denver Broncos, even money line or uh, spread here. And the thing is with the Broncos is they're a team that will take advantage of where the chiefs are just deplorably bad. And that is, they can't stop anyone running the football. So if the chiefs, this is the issue. If you all of a sudden aren't good in the passing game and you can't score 20, like five plus at will, like yeah. it's easy because they struggled to get to 24 last week. Yeah. Then you can lose to a team who is so bad that their best facet is running the football. Yes. And that is what the Broncos can do. Um, so that is why my hesitation is there at, at three, even though I do think, look, the chiefs are a dramatically better team than the Broncos. Yeah, and I think there's there's another handicap here that I think we have to be considerate of. Thursday night football, it doesn't always favor the home team. It favors the better team. And Kansas City is better at the two most important places, which is quarterback, of course, and more importantly in this spot, head coach. And now Vic Fangio is a very good defensive mind, um, but they have gotten healthy over the last two weeks playing a, a team in the Tennessee Titans who couldn't score if you and I were the two cornerbacks with the opposing team and a Los Angeles Chargers team who, I'm sorry, but like if you add in injuries and their coaches ineptitude are one of the one of the biggest lemons in the NFL. So lost to Doc Hodges, man. They what? And Denver is lost at home to Jacksonville and Gardner Minshew. They've lost at home to Mitch Trubisky and the Bears mm -hmm. last second. You know, they've they've been competitive in every game, but 
this is if I'm looking at okay, what's the additional half point I need to be able to bet this game minus three for Kansas City? It's that very point. Thursday night football, the more prepared, the better team, generally speaking, wins those games. And it, it, for all of Kansas City's faults, and you know, talking about the Chiefs' defense on the ride in today, there are many. Uh, the the Chiefs uh, have that advantage. The there is one injury question that I have before I want to move on. I know Emmanuel Sanders came out, but I don't see him on the on the injury report. So I guess he's playing. Um, but that if he were to somehow not be playing, that'd be bad. Anyways, move on. I think this is one worth considering. This is, that's an actually like somewhat compelling game mm-hmm. from a watching standpoint. Here is a compelling game from a betting standpoint. It will not be compelling from a watching standpoint. And that is the Miami dolphins traveling up North to New York to play the Buffalo bills. The bills hold your nose here. Are 17 point favorites it's unbelievable yeah and you know and Fitzpatrick starting yeah I mean we're on the side of we're on the side of the well, Dolphins can, you, can here. you guess yeah and can you guess that we don't like Josh Allen is getting uh as, as a 17 point favorite right um and the issue is, is of course like you know if you look at this we actually got a better number with Buff or with our uh, sorry with Miami once Fitzpatrick was inserted. Mm-hmm. He's been worth in terms of war. Neither one of them are worth a lot, but he's been worth three times as much as Rosen in half the number of snaps. He's actually been, you know, bad, but in a but in a way closer to replacement than than Rosen has been. Rosen is the lowest graded uh, player from a clean pocket. Right. And Fitzpatrick's not much better, but at least he has as many big time throws as turnover worthy plays. Rosen, very few there. Um but you look at, okay, so what's what's bad with Miami? Okay, Miami's averaging a negative a quarter a point every time they run the ball, negative a third of the point every time they pass the ball. That's not good. It's bad. Buffalo, though, is averaging both negative EPA per run and negative EPA per pass, and much like Miami is worse passing the ball EPA-wise than running. The the thing that I have the thing that I wonder here is if Dolph if the Dolphins score one touchdown. Is this cover for the Bills insurmountable? And I and I I gotta think it is. So Josh Allen has an 87 pass rating when clean, a 50 pass rating under pressure. He's making a turnover worthy play three times as often as a big time throw. Yeah. So let me put it to you this way: Would you like the better quarterback getting 17? I, I, that's what I think, <laughs> and and I know all the other. And stuff. I don't actually think that going forward. Josh Allen is a worse quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick. But in this season so far, I don't think it's egregious to say that Ryan Fitzpatrick has been as uh, egregious. as. If I had to choose between Josh Allen and Ryan Fitzpatrick moving forward, I would jump in front of a bus. But I, I, so which one are you choosing for this one game? I I do like in terms of, I think Fitzpatrick's a better player right now. And, And you know, it, it's, it's getting 17, it's points. getting 17 points again. And we're going to talk about this with Washington because we almost wrote up Washington this week for our spread picks article. There aren't a ton of reasons to bet. You know, there, this isn't a bet a team situation. This is bet a number. And this number is far too high. Um, you know, the, the, the tough thing about hard this, to, hard to say much more on the tough thing about this is that we actually had a conversation about the run game yesterday and it's like the run game can make you look really dominant when the other team is a total joke. The Dolphins fit that bill really, really well. The Bills are coming off of a bye at home. So 
the potential for them to do this, hey, we're just going to run the ball 60 times but actually score points is there, whereas you never think about that when both teams are kind of equal or both teams are good. Um, And uh, here's the thing. The Bills scored 17 points against the Jets. They scored 28 against the Giants. Giants are very bad. Bengals are atrocious. They scored 21 against the Bengals. And the Bengals backdoored them in that game, almost won. Yes, they scored a whopping 14 points against the Titans. They have not played, aside from the Patriots, who held them to 10, they have not played a good team, a halfway decent defense, and they have crossed 20 uh, convincingly one time. They got to 21 another time. Other times, they haven't even scored more than 20 points. Yeah. So if I tell you, hey, they score 21 as a max, you think they're going to cover 17? Are well, they going to shut them out? And that's the thing people want to talk about. So whenever I, I tweet out the coaching rankings, people are like, what about Brian Dable? He's doing great. And it's like, well, I mean, I guess they're not a complete disaster. You know, uh, Josh Allen's not throwing a pick six every possession, but they're not good. They're not moving the ball. They're not. Um, okay. And, and is it, so, again, not much more to say about this game other than Fitzpatrick has a potential to score. Let's say if the Dolphins score 10 points, I think that this game is coverable. If they score 14, I mean, you know, there's a there's a there's even a chance they win this game. Outright, I, was, I was literally about to say, if yeah. we're sitting here on Sunday afternoon and I tell you the Miami Dolphins just beat the Buffalo Bills. Are you falling off of your chair? No, I'm. I'm no, I, you might be already off your chair because yeah. of other reasons, but that's not the reason. Yeah. All right. From one very, very stinky dog to a second. And this game is one that um, is near and dear to my heart because my Niners, they're paving the way for me to spend February in Miami. And I just can't wait. I've got, I've got a couple of pairs of board shorts i'm excited to dust (laughs) that i had to put away for the winter here in cincinnati um the washington spread skins were 10 point underdogs at home against the 49ers the 49ers obviously crushed the the cleveland browns on monday night after that long break they then went into los angeles brought all of san francisco with them beat the living hell out of the renamed a few streets hate nashbury (laughs) beat the living hell out of the los angeles scams and uh now parade their way they're now marching to washington to take over the nation so it's now nine and a half because 10 is a lot uh for a home team and we were thinking about having this as one of our article picks but then it moved to 10 and that's just not like the 10 is a key enough number where i'm just you know not comfortable i wanted to revisit because I just think this is an an awfully tempting place to say, hey, maybe the Niners and Jimmy G, who has not been a world beater. Yeah. It, you know, they they don't lose this game, but it's one of those games where at halftime, it's like seven, six Redskins. You're like, oh, wait, what? And then the Niners like find a way to get, edge one out at the end. Well, and there's a there, so again, I'm with you 100 percent, but. This is also a game, talking about the Niners, traveling West Coast, East Coast, playing a 10. Less of an issue than it was before. Joe Staley, right? Uh, Mike McGlinchey, Kyle Juszczyk. Those are part of our handicap last week, so it didn't matter. Yeah. But George Kittle, groin injury, questionable. D Ford, quadriceps, questionable. D Ford's always been the kind of guy that can come up on an injury list and, and, and hurts you that way. Uh, Kawan Williams, questionable. Do you know what? position he plays Akello, yeah stop Akello witherspoon uh is out with a foot injury like 
this is a game where the Niners can confidently probably say, okay, we could sit a bunch of guys and still have a 67% chance to win the game, right? Easy. And so I think they probably do, right? They're smart. In which case, Washington's live here, right? And we've seen Washington, even though they, they stink, no doubt about it. They got out to a big lead against Philadelphia on the road week one, came back and backdoored a 10-point spread here. Yeah. They backed, They got a touchdown at the end against Dallas that pushed that game over. Didn't co- quite cover the spread, but still, you know, solid. Um, they they were plucky at home against the Bears after getting behind 28 nothing. They came back and made that into a game. Keenum trying to do the goal line quarterback sneak at like the 20-yard line. Washington is not like Miami. I they're they're not well, a t- clearly not they're a full point better <laughs> they're a full point better but they are not a team that's going to quit mm-hmm. and especially with a with a with a head coach who's you know uh, just in his second game here there's tons of opportunity for a Washington to just play this game straight up and possibly win but also to come through the back door should they be dominated the whole game well here's the thing Th- this is the total on this game is low 40s and the Washington Redskins are going to try and keep this low scoring, yeah. obviously. So when you say to yourself, hey, do low scoring games often have this, you know, 10 point margin, particularly for the road team? Like it's yeah. less likely than with a very high scoring game. So I think that has to be taken into consideration. And here's the other thing the, the big difference for me with the Dolphins and the Redskins is that the Dolphins defense, like, it feels like they're playing with 10 players on the field. That's not the case for the Redskins, who actually have a, a kind of average-ish defense um, and a quarterback in Case Keenum who has a penchant for making those like what-the-hell throws, but has a guy in Terry McLaurin who's a legit re- like yeah. receiving threat, a top-five guy in terms of wins above replacement so far this yep. season. Very He's good. been amazing. And with all of those those corners out for San Francisco, if I tell you, hey – Terry McLaurin gets one big play in this game. Don't you feel fairly good about yeah, that? He's covering? been wi- he's been worth a quarter of a win so far this year. And reminding people, they had they had New England on the ropes for three quarters of that game. They didn't cover right, but they they basically played straight up with with New England that entire game. Um, and McLaurin was out, and the McLaurin was in last week. He turned, I believe, it was six targets into 100 yards and two touchdowns. Um, again, Keenum's throwing a lot of YOLO passes, but against a defense like the Niners, who are great in great rushing the passer, maybe a little bit suspect in terms of personnel and injuries and coverage. It might be, it might be the trick. All right, next up, we keep this one in consideration. We have two games that are actually worth really watching because they're good games, and uh, so I'm excited to debate these. I think. One of these two will end up being the lock of the week, but I really don't know which one. The Saints go to Chicago. They're getting three and a half points against Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears fresh off of a bye. And I have said this a couple times already today, but the better quarterback is getting points. In this case, getting more than a field goal. And the number two team in the NFL with a better quarterback is getting more than a field goal. The best team in the NFC and the Saints, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater have won four consecutive games. They've done it every which way they had to score against Tampa Bay. They played defensive games the rest of the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is a good spot. I think Uh, you're getting either three and a half plus minus plus one twenty or three even. So 
I mean, it's hard. It's hard. you know, Chicago's coming off of a bye. The Saints are on their second consecutive road game, so those things help yeah. Chicago a little bit. Total on this game is thirty-eight, so they certainly expect a Vikings-Bears type of performance or a or Jaguars-Saints type of performance. But I just look at this game and I and I ask myself, with Akeem Hicks out, how much different are the Bears defensively from the Saints? I, that I think this is the key. The the New Orleans Saints have a very good defense. The Chicago Bears have a very good defense. But what really matters here, what really matters is how good the offenses are. Because in order to win games, I don't know if you know this, you got to score some points. You got to move the football. Now, in, in the year 29, in the year of our Lord 2019, all quarterbacks have basically been awful with exception for like Watson and Russell Wilson, yep. the MVP. So it, the bar is not very high. But let me tell you who sails under the bar. And that's our main man, Mazda Mitch, right? He, he is, you know, he was injured, but before that it was an absolute disaster. Only Josh Rosen is a worse grade from a clean pocket than Mitchell Trubisky. Whereas Teddy Bridgewater has by no means been extraordinary, but he's middle of the pack. So he's definitely the better quarterback here. And he has the benefit of Sean Payton with the best tackle duo in the NFL. So if you say to yourself, hey, how do I envision the Bears just steamrolling the Saints here or winning by a touchdown? It's things that aren't attributable to Teddy Bridgewater. Turnovers. It's Khalil Mack coming off the edge, and and, and you figure the Saints will mitigate that. And I also think there's a bit of – there's a lot of worry about Alvin Kamara. Now, I think he probably grits it out and plays, but even if he doesn't – so if if you hear that he's not going to play – this, do you think the line could move for running back? I think it might for, for this particular running back. It's possible. And I just said Kamara is certainly in my list of like five favorite players. I love the dude. He just posted an Instagram video, by the way. You should go check it out of him catching um, like a baton while standing on a physio ball with um, basically like light distorting goggles on. So you like can't see anything and it's hard enough to stand on solid ground with those, but he's literally standing on a physio ball um, doing this. You should go check it out. Anyways, what we do need to remember is that, look, he was a third round pick that didn't do a whole lot of exciting things in college that, you know, could propel him into the top couple of rounds. So as great as he is, Sean Payton's offense will elevate whoever he puts in that role. You might see a little more Taysom Hill perhaps, Mm -hmm. right? But he is going to have guys in a position to make these moves. And so I would not be as much as I think Alvin Kamara takes their chances of, you know, winning, say, a Super Bowl down. um, Should they get to that point in this game? It wouldn't worry me as much. Yeah. And again, it's it's one of those things where the Bears, you know, how much do we really know about their defense? Right. In the they've they've given up they gave up 400 yards to the Oakland Raiders right with a running back in Josh Jacobs who is very Latavius Murray like right it, it downhill their defense is a fast but their defense is a fast defense that is um you know good in coverage but sometimes so- soft i don't think i i do think Kamara is a huge downgrade to uh, you know uh Latavius Murray but i think in this particular spot you mean the other way around yeah yeah the bear the bears aren't the bears aren't a a, a team that's going to you know have issues there the the Saints defense though you look at you look back at this and again you look at season long numbers sometimes they're a little bit misleading the Saints defense gave up over 400 yards to Houston well Houston's a good team uh they gave up a lot of yards to the Rams 
whatever. And then the Seahawks game, they gave up over 500 and that was because they were ahead and, and the MVP of the league mm-hmm. sort of chunking them back. Uh, but then the last three games, they've given up less than 215 passing yards in each game. And it's not against, I mean, Tampa, you know, Dallas is a good offense. Tampa Bay is a good offense. Like the Chicago bears are not a good offense. And like, so again, we, it comes back to me. Like if I, if Chicago is going to boat race, the the Saints in this game it is going to be because of turnovers and short fields for Trubisky much in the same way that they did as, it last year as yeah. they did with last year and they did it with uh, the Vikings for example uh, when the winning 16-6 Bridgewater for all of his faults and I the, one of the reasons I really hope they There's win this game is because two gloves is that well, I just don't want your your like skepticism towards Teddy to be reinforced by this game. So, but of all of Teddy Bridgewater's faults, one of them is not being a turnover worthy type player. So, I think they they at least keep this close and and if you're somebody who likes to dabble a little bit with money line, I think there's a really good chance New Orleans wins this game outright. Okay. The Sunday night game, a Eagles Cowboys matchup. We just uh published our um picks column. And I have a little treat in there for you guys. You may have forgotten. I reminded you of this. Um, uh, There's a little treat in there for you about the Eagles and the Cowboys that'll make your Thursday feel just a little bit extra special. I was reminded of it yesterday and I I watched it and it it reminded me of a of a happier time in uh, in life and in history. And so I think you should go check it out. Anyways, I won't spoil it there. What I will say is that the Eagles are getting three points. on the road against the Cowboys, Doug Peterson, one of the favorites of ours, has already come out and said, "Look, this is a must win. This is a must win game um, for the Eagles." Now, the Eagles have a ton of injuries, right? So they've got Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson looked like he was going to open up their deep passing game, gets injured, and now Miles Sanders is their best deep threat, which says something about Miles Sanders and yeah. says something about the rest of the receivers on the Eagles. Um, Jason Peters uh, is doubtful. Andre Dillard gave up as many pressures in 34 snaps as Peters had given up all season in that last game. So there's a lot of reason to be worried about the Eagles, but I think you can make the argument that there might be more for the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, the, you look at, I didn't even know Zach Martin was questionable with a back injury, but let's assume he plays. Maybe you should go to Los Angeles for a quick minute. Smith, Smith and Collins uh, are, probably not going to play right questionable here. And even if they do play, they're going to be negatively impacted by a defensive front of Philadelphia. That is very stout. Amari Cooper, ankle, quad calf kind of thing. Um, he hasn't practiced yet this week. Uh, you know, they got Gallup Michael back Gallup. and he, he was great, but then Cobb again, uh, he is also questionable. So there's, there's probably equal a number of injuries on both sides of the ball here. And so where I take this then is, where we always take it, coach, quarterback, right? And there's absolutely no comparison between Doug Peterson and Jason Garrett in my mind. Uh, Kellen Moore has sort of shown that, yeah, it's cute that you can take an entire offseason and game plan against three bad teams, but when when the Bullets have fired the last three games, he has not been as good. Um, and, of course, Dak Prescott has been good, and I think like very encouraging so far, a 121 passer rating uh, from a clean pocket. Um Carson Wentz has been better. Carson Wentz is one of the highest graded quarterbacks in the league. Second. Um, he He's not getting the type of support, whether it be drops uh, from, from his receivers, but those things tend to regress. 
Um, there's a chance that Sean Jackson plays. I would imagine no, though. Yeah, I don't think so. So, but Aguilar uh, and uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Ertz are good. Goddard has been good. Goddard has been good enough. And then, as you said, Miles Sanders. So if you just look at this entire thing and the the fact that Dallas's home field is not never as good as as you know sort of it should be never for America's to be. America's yeah. team i think the eagles getting 3 points here is a solid pick i'm going to read you some numbers this is the play action rate for Dak Prescott each of the weeks this season 47 37% 32% 20% 18% 14% now, the interesting thing about play action is regardless of the uh, the depth of dropback, so regardless of how long developing the play is, it buys you more time. In other words, the quarterback will spend more time in a clean pocket at all depths of, of, of drop. And yet they are running way less of it. And yet Dak Prescott is considerably better from a clean pocket. That's where he ranks third in passer rating. Where he falls in comparison to Wentz is when things break down. So in a game where there are injuries across the board, I expect there to need to be a lot of plays made by both quarterbacks. Dak was under pressure, a career high rate against the Jets over 50% of the time. And I want Carson Wentz every single time when things are not pristine. Amari Cooper either being limited or out is the key here for me. Because without him, they just don't have anyone that's going to get open enough for Dak to throw them the ball in a bad situation. And to take advantage of the Eagles, who looked awful against the Vikings, you need a Diggs and a Thielen who are just roasting Rasul Douglas every time you run play action, which the Cowboys do not want to do. They are not running play action anymore. They seem to think that play action success is cheapening their ability, you know, because they have in the last three games not run play action. Basically, a third of the time they were early in the season. Well, you need to establish the run. Everyone knows that. And I know this is somewhat laughable, but Jalen... Hold on. I got to say this. So everyone talks about you got to establish the run to run play action. That's mathematically false. You don't have to. The Cowboys are averaging 4.1 yards per carry over the last three games in the first half, right? So think of that as establishing the run. The team with the best yards per attempt off of play action, the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson... They're averaging 4.3 yards per carry in those same situations, a whopping two-tenths of a yard more than the Dallas Cowboys. So I ask you, is there is there failure to run play action because they can't establish the run? I think in their own mind. Um, yes, yeah, self-fulfilling process. So, it's amazing. so here's, here's the thing. I think Jim Schwartz is a good coach, and I think that they're – I think the Vikings offense – they underestimated the Vikings offense. We saw it with the Zach Brown straight up said, like, I want cousins to throw the ball, and which he is a- was an abject disaster in that game. Yeah. He made Kirk cousins look like uh, Michael Vick. A couple yeah, of and Diggs and Thielen are far better than whatever Dallas is going to throw out there. Cousins, when things are going right, I think can be every bit the quarterback that Prescott can be. I actually think they're very similar and that both do really well. That's a structure comparison. structure. When things are great, they're both they're good. both good. They both hold on to the ball for way too long. Yep. Have not great pocket presence. Is Kirk Cousins Dak Prescott? Other than Prescott adding value on the ground, yeah, and being like a cool dude, yeah, and having yeah not being <laughs> having, lame, having lame a commercial, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jalen Mills comes back this week. As bad as he can be, he's better than Rasul Douglas, right? Who, by the way, is only like really bad off of play action. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he falls for the play fake somehow, dude, he, somewhere. So. There is a good, there is a better than average chance that 
the Eagles will somehow figure this thing out defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, I think if Philly is average defensively on Sunday, they win this game outright. I I am with you. I, so, so I think I got this thing whittled down to two. I, the, the last the two. Week. Yeah. Right? New Orleans and Philadelphia both getting three. Well, actually, New Orleans getting three and a half if you want to. And when I look at this, I think to myself, I, I think Sean Payton is so much better than Doug Peterson at calling plays. Yeah. But I think the Eagles are so much better than the Dallas Cowboys at the overall, like just structure of things. <laughs> so it's really tough to, to pick here. Cause I do think the bears like Nagy's great. Um, uh, you know, we haven't seen the regression in their defense except for the Oakland game um, so far this year. So whereas I can see Dallas just coming up the roll, the, it comes up snake eyes for them on Sunday and they just get whomped in which case be kind of fun. It'd be, it'd be nice to have the plus three in that case. <laughs> whereas is there a situation where new Orleans just absolutely, absolutely, sh- you know, shows, Chicago, the 50 states. Well, yeah, the, it's interesting because for the for that to happen, you've got to have classic Mitch Trubisky. But actually, classic Mitch Trubisky gets super lucky in all of these situations. So I, I don't know. I am really torn here uh, between the two. I, the extra half point is nice, though the, the juice makes it basically the same. Mm-hmm. Um. This is this is one of the harder ones because I think that the narrative around the Eagles with Carson Wentz and the way the market views Carson Wentz is that he is not you know he's not having a great season. And this is an opportunity for us to take advantage of the fact that we grade every player on every play and know that he has been awesome and that he does things in out of structure situations far better than Dak Prescott does. I, I, I want to take advantage of that. And I like the spot a little bit better, right? The saints are traveling again. They're on they're, they're coming into a place that will be, they're not going to be a lot of saints fans in Chicago. I'll tell you that right now. There will be some Eagles fans in Dallas. Yeah. I do think home field for the bears is far less trivial than, than it is for Dallas. The Bears are coming off of a bye. I do think that often causes more rust than it does rest. Um, but New Orleans is traveling off of another physical game. They're on a four-game winning streak. You're basically buying the Bears at the bottom, the Saints at the top at this point. In in the case of Dallas and, and Philly, you're buying, you're you're selling, uh, you're selling Dallas at the bottom, but you're also getting Philly at their bottom too. Like if Philadelphia goes into Minnesota and wins, I think this game's a pick 'em, and, and so you're getting three points based upon an uh, an effort against against the Vikings that had a lot to do with them just being unprepared, in my opinion. So I lean Philly. Yeah, I think I want to go Philly too. Okay. Um, go Eagles. Here's the th- the tough thing for me is that last week. Philly was one of our super contest picks and it didn't work out, but that's a perfect, that's a perfect example of something to, uh, that's a perfect example of something to, to go with. Right. All right. 
So Philadelphia is the lock lock of the week. Hopefully they care. I think Doug Peterson, look, Doug Peterson hates cancer. He's going to put in an extra special effort here so that we can get back on the donation side of things. Hopefully you're doing that as well. We're going to speed through the rest of the game. So what we're going to do for these is we're going to talk about where the line in the total is. Anything that really strikes us and one like crux to the game, but it's going to take not very long. All right, so the Rams go into Atlanta, who somehow still has the same coach. The Rams are three-point favorites, and they have Jalen Ramsey, who is back with a back. Yeah, I would say I would say the Rams are nothing here. Um, Jared Goff is going to – well, let's just predict something. Jared Goff is going to dominate the open spaces that are the Falcons' defense in a dome, and the narrative is going to be, look at Jalen Ramsey – you know, motivated, the, you know, motivated the Rams. The, so that's what I, that's how I see this happening. The best offenses in the NFL are ones that have just played the Falcons. Yep. The Jaguars are going to be here in town. Gardner Minshew and I are going to be uh, hanging out. Um, Chuck Norris. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the, he'll, he'll be, uh, be the second coolest person in Cincinnati. Thanks for the After shade. You. <laughs> uh, the Bengals are uh, three-point underdogs at home. They are an absolute disaster. They can't beat anyone. Um, sorry, three-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, and the total is at 44. I'm going to go ahead and say there's probably some value on the Bengals at home. Um, and I, if you had to choose a side, that is where I would go. But I would not touch this I game. wouldn't spend my money or anybody else's betting the Bengals in this game. Let's move on. The Detroit Lions, who should be in first place in the NFC North, are now in last place. They're at home getting a point and a half. I've actually seen it all the way out to two in some spots against the Minnesota Vikings, fresh off of a huge victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a must win for Minnesota. Yes. I I have a couple of things. First off, go to pff.com slash green line and you can see, get an elite subscription, you can see all these things. This game offends my sensibilities and is one of those situations where I think we are going to be on the complete opposite side, which probably tells you a few things about me as a person. Um, But I would go check this game out because it's a little different. My inclination would be that the Lions at home as an underdog is a steal given what happened to them on Monday night. But you may feel different. Well, we talked about this actually internally the other day. The the home field advantage comes from referees mostly. That's you know they've got to get a couple buybacks, right? You'd think. And again, we've argued at times that the Detroit Lions are a better version of the Vikings. Um, now, I think the Vikings might be a little bit more explosive than the Lions, but I I still I stand by my statement that the Lions defense is very good. Their their special teams have been a problem. The twelve men on the field, the returns, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but I think this is a must win for Minnesota. If they lose, they are 0 and 3 in the division, in a division that includes a 5 and 1 team and what could be a 4 and 2 or a 3 and 3 team. Uh so this is a huge game in the NFC North and and um I'll be inter- that whatever happens in this game will have interesting implications on the NFC. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. Um one of the games that I wish was more interesting from a gambling perspective because it will be one that I'm yeah. excited to watch. I think that the way that the Vikings offense looked against the Eagles is drastically different than how it will look on yes. the road against the Lions. Um, and I, Matt Stafford is the better quarterback. Kudos to us for having identified Justin Coleman as one of the best UFAs because he is. Um, Packers. Packers Raiders. at home after 
being communists and wearing road white on Monday Night Football. They will be back in green. Heat. I thought we weren't going to talk about China. Sorry. sorry. They are they're, they're hosting the Oakland Raiders. This game opened about seven. Mm-hmm. We actually, I had written it down. We had liked the, the Oakland Raiders at seven. It is now all the way down to five and a half, in which case it's a better number, I would say. Um, total on this game, 47. The Raiders are coming off of a bye. The pack, we're seeing this a lot. The schedule makers for the NFL, nice work, guys. But the 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 Oakland Raiders are coming off of fourteen, you know, two weeks off. Packers are after a Monday night. We've seen this number of times. There's an advantage here for Oakland, despite the travel, despite the the time zone thing, just because of rest. Yep. I want to fade the Green Bay Packers after that performance against Detroit, where yep. they should have lost the game. Yep. Obviously, and um. Unfortunately, you are losing a couple of key numbers with it down to five and a half. Yep. If it gets bought back up, I would certainly consider like going back to the Raiders. That's why you want a subscription so you can go check the it Detroit out. bet was such a good one, even all the way down to four. I know the Raiders one was only a good one. I think at seven, maybe six and a half Colts, this Texans, this is going to be a fun game. Jacoby Brissett uh, and Frank Reich at home. They are favored by one totals at 47 and a half. Uh, the Texans have scored a ton of points, but the Colts are the exact opposite, right? They plod uh, their way through the game. So it'd be interesting kind of bashing of two styles of play. Um, do you like, uh, I mean, the, the model is fairly ambivalent. So if you have to pick one, which side are you going with? Yeah. Uh, Houston, a double winner this week, decision of the week, biggest mover of the week for AWS. I, I like Houston here. I, I like everything about the Colts, and I like one thing about Houston. Yes, I'm with you. Deshaun Watson all the way. I love that guy. Man, yep. That guy's awesome. I just really hope he doesn't get injured. Cardinals, Giants. Uh, Giants are favored by three points at home. The Cardinals are, as I just spoke about, a yeah. great offensive team now that they have played the Falcons. They also got to play the Bengals. Yeah. Back to back weeks. That's that's wonderful before yep. Christmas even. Total is at fifty and a half. And has moved up. Has moved up a little bit. And so I think the value, um well, I don't think. I'm just reading what the model is telling me. A little bit of value on the under here, which is counterintuitive to I think both of us, because both of these defenses are bad. Um, but uh, is Saquon back? There have been a number of games Saquon's back, that these so. two teams have participated in that played under and ended up going over that I think might be influencing what's happening right now. The Giants game against New England last Thursday night played under and because of a bunch of defensive touchdowns went over the Cardinals game against the Bengals, the Cardinals games against Detroit and the Cardinal game against uh and then the Cardinals two games against Seattle and Baltimore all played under and those went two and two to the under. So I think that there's a little bit of validity here in playing an under game, especially now that Saquon Barkley's coming back and as bad as the, as the giants defense is, they're not as bad as the Atlanta Falcons defense. And that differential might be enough for to slow Kyler Murray and company down just enough for this to be a game played in the twenties and not in the thirties. Let's get this game out of the way quickly. The no. Los Angeles Chargers and the Tennessee Titans do not watch this game. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to know, actually, there might be some ways to bet it if you are forced to watch it. So go to pff.com slash green But you couldn't pay me to watch this game. Yep. 
The Baltimore Ravens. And you Seattle can pay Seahawks. me to watch this game. This game will be fascinating. A couple of uh, really exciting quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, the MVP of the NFL at this moment. The Seahawks are favored by three points. This one just barely didn't make the cut for considering um, a lot. Well, because of the, the number was three and now it's or three and a half. Now it's three. No, it's so three. it's sort of in that no man's land of like where the number ends up being. But I want to discuss this game a little bit because there is a really interesting contrast of styles here Mm -hmm. with Russell Wilson being the best passer in the NFL, them not passing as much as they probably should. The Ravens have a quarterback who isn't an elite passer, but is so elite running the football that they are able to generate value running the football with him. And so they do leverage it. They are averaging uh, almost point, uh, almost a full 10th of an expected point per run play, which is ridiculous. The Seahawks dump, are negative a third of an expected point per run play. That tells you how efficient Lamar Jackson is running the football. Um, And the Seahawks defense is no longer one that scares you in any way, shape or form. So I think there is, you know, there's a little bit of, well, Hey, the the Ravens haven't looked great, but you really want to bet against Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, Earl Thomas revenge game. We talked about the, the, Lamar Jackson, 152 yards rushing, only 30 after contact. They are not passing the ball as much, but their run plays are a lot like passes in that, you know, the yards before contact can be viewed as yards, you know, air yards kind of thing. Um, especially when a guy like Jackson has the great comparison has it's some it's fraudulent enough to offend my sensibilities but also accurate enough to be awesome because like with Lamar Jackson as the ball in his hands seven yards downfield it's sort of like a receiver having the ball in his hands yeah. well right but the the difference is that he has to work a hell of a lot yeah, harder right. to get there um, yeah he's running a route with the ball in his hands and there's a chance that he'll he'll get tackled beforehand the yeah. way that he makes people miss though is really incredible and it reminds me I once Uh, was doing something on Michael Vick. Um, I think it was actually for Sunday night. And um, I was curious because I had the same idea about yards before contact. And Michael Vick, I can't remember which year it was. 2010. Yes. Average seven, I think it was over seven yards. It might even been eight yards before contact every time he ran with the ball. And I thought this was the most amazing thing ever because it spoke to me about how damn fast he was, right? The guy's so elusive. And no one thought it was that cool because everyone likes yards after contact. I'm like, no, you know what's cool? Not being contacted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lamar Jackson has a little bit of that vibe. So, And unlike running backs, you, the quarterback, I, I think this is a skill. Like that a player possesses as running back yards before contact is mostly noise. Well, because it and the and the offense he plays for because you have it's so reliant on the scheme and with the with the quarterback a lot of it is well we're going to open up some space and then if you can take advantage of it right and the space is dictated by like misdirection instead of the blocking in a lot yeah. of cases people so, are going to yell so at the, me for my uh so the issue here analysis. the issue here is that both teams i think are a little fraudulent i think the ravens when you look at their quality of wins they you know beat a bengal's team that's you know uh they beat a Steelers team with you know two backup quarterbacks. Two losses were not especially losing to the Browns at home by multiple touchdowns does not look good in right. hindsight. Um, and then you know Arizona has emerged lately, and the Dolphins are not really an NFL team right now, so they have a lot to prove here. But the same can be said about the Seahawks. I mean, 
the Seahawks should not have won or covered in 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 Cleveland last week, and oh. we'll take it. But you know, it wasn't you know Baker Mayfield three interceptions, uh, Freddie Kitchens, you know taking a timeout and then challenging a play and then running exactly. the ball out of like 30 personnel or whatever, 32 personnel into uh, a, a uh, you know, into a wall on fourth down. Wasn't great. The wasn't catch great by uh, Metcalf that sealed the game. Wasn't a catch, right? Like all this stuff. Seattle's had some like kind of false wins. And if you look at that, you add up their war, they are probably two wins of luck so far this season. So that being said, Seattle's a tough place to play football. And I think the home field advantage is more than three. So if the market says the number is three here, you're assuming the Ravens are better than the Seahawks. And I fundamentally reject that on the basis of both defenses are bad, right? Ravens defense, I think is one of the worst in the league in terms of yards per play. Seattle's not much higher, but then it takes you back to the offense and quarter and Russell Wilson is so much better uh, at this point. Lamar Jackson as good as he is. And, you know, to the point where he's overcoming a bad scheme. So I think Lamar Jackson plus scheme is good. Russell Wilson minus scheme is still better. And that in, the, in, the, in which case I like Seattle to at least win this game. Uh, I don't know about laying the points, though. That, that is the way that I, I would go, though. If I had to choose one side of the, the three, I would take the Seahawks. And that is where Green Line happens to be as well. Uh, we have one last game. This game not... Anywhere near as exciting. So we will go back to uh, being swift. The New England Patriots are traveling to the New York Jets. The Jets looked great against the Cowboys. And my question to you is, do you think they will look great against the Patriots? No. Okay. So the Patriots are, is it nine and a half still? Yeah, it was 10, I think, earlier in the week. Now it's nine and a half because of the Sam Darnold love. Um, Darnold looked great on Sunday. I got to be very... Uh, very honest with you. I am usually the person that is all about taking the Patriots on the big number. This is one I'm not touching. Me either. I, I, especially road. I don't think you, and the Patriots have not been impressive in terms of offensively. Mm-mm. So, you know, and that's going to be like, so you're, you're hoping that you see what you saw on Thursday night football, which is interception touchdowns, which are just not something p- p- blocked punts for touchdowns. It's not something you can really buy into long term. Darnold looked terrific against the, the Cowboys, not only deep, but in the intermediate areas. Yep. He handled pressure extremely well. Um, I just I got to see it against a team like the Patriots for, before I'm really bought in. And so this is a game I'm going to watch and I'm going to enjoy. I just don't think I'm going to have any have any uh, investments on it. This number gets out to 10. I'd be curious what Greenline says. So go to PFF.com slash Greenline. Get yourself a subscription. That is week seven. I'm excited for week seven. Some really good games. Um, Sunday night's going to be good. Thursday night's going to be good. A couple of good afternoon games. And then Monday night is compelling. We're almost there. We're almost to Thanksgiving mm-hmm. when the season actually starts. It'll be fun. Stories from the Cincinnati Y. I was hesitant about uh, telling this story. This story comes from my apartment gym, which actually has developed a couple of stories in its day. Um, and it's not a story about the guy who I saw in the gym yesterday for 30 minutes who did one set of bicep curls the entire time that he was in there. Um, this is, uh, so there are a couple of ladies that come into the gym basically every time I go in there and it's, you know, about seven thirty eight o'clock at night. And, um, 
they take up an inordinate amount of space and they don't do a whole lot of anything. Um, but I applaud them for being in there. You know, it shows great dedication. They're in there just about every week. And the first, so I'm in there the other day and there are a couple things that really got, that really irked me. And the first is they take up all the space, not doing a whole lot. They don't pick up anything. So like I'm crammed in a corner trying to, you know, grit through a workout here. Then all of a sudden, uh, I just hear this cackling laughter. And it continues. And they're just laughing hilariously like every five minutes about something. And I am glad they're friends. I'm happy they're working out together. Can you just shut up? (laughs) Is that too much to ask? There's no music that plays in this gym. I do not wear my headphones because I don't want to break them and I sweat too much. Um, And so I have to listen to the cackling. And the worst part is... I they they are saying things first before they cackle and I have no idea what they're saying. Yeah. And then you think they're laughing at you. I think they're laughing at me yeah. and it's maybe it's pushing I don't know. But here's the here's the here's the toffer. All of a sudden one of them starts taking her shirt off. <laughs> like what are you doing? What are you doing? Both these ladies are on the path to being in better shape, but it's not exactly a situation where I'd be just shedding. They're not quite vegan yet. I'm not shedding my shirt at every moment if I'm either one of them. And for what what it's worth, I keep a shirt on for the entirety of my time in the gym, um, which shows a lot of self-restraint on my part. And I'm like, what is going on? So one of them is taking her shirt off, keeping has a sports bra on, thank God, and then proceeds to do practice a headstand. Uh, with a yoga mat, like in the middle of the gym and which is fine. Now there's no shirt on and I'm, I'm trying to ignore. And all of a sudden I hear counting. She counts to a hundred out loud. Anyways, that's my story from the gym. That like reminds me, remember when Pat, they, they uh, had uh, James Jones, former Packer receiver mic'd up. And how he talked to himself during the game. And apparently that like helped him not drop seven passes a game like he did early <laughs> in his career. Can you imagine like working out and just talking to yourself I, as like a, I mean, to each their own. Um, but you can't count in your head. You can, t- you have the, you could take your shirt off and yeah. do a headstand in a public ish gym, but you can't count in your head. Come we've, on, we've, man. We found, uh, uh, a common lady. theme about self-awareness in this country uh, over the last couple of years uh, that, you know, it's declining and steeply. I have a great friend of mine who was a roommate of mine in college who had like just a tremendous lack of it wasn't necessarily self-awareness, but just like awareness in general. And we would always joke that he was like the Madden player with a zero awareness rating who like the ball would just hit him in the head because <laughs> the awareness rating was so low. And that's what would happen when that happened. Anyways, do you have a story that you need to share? Or are we good for the day? Uh, no, I, don't need well, I, about I broke my glasses playing basketball last week. So I've been it's kind a, of mending them and like, it's not been playing a great hoops. excuse for you to avoid. That's true. The, true. the buzz saw that is me on the basketball court. You, well, and I needed 17 one. My, my, uh, recently. my jump shot needed a break. Cause I was coming. I was, my bad habits were, were starting to emerge. We'll be back with you late, early. Uh, Monday morning make sure you download that podcast you get all of the uh, the info that you need before anyone else does enjoy week 7 peace out guys thank you
Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get uniquely yours ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. As always, a big thank you for listening to the show. We'd like to ask a small but very important favor of you. It'll take only a few minutes, and if you're one of the first people to do it, Podcast One will make it worth your time, quite literally. We need you to complete a short survey because the information you give us can help make things better for the show and you as a listener. Here's how you do it. Just go to podcastone.com slash survey and everything will be right there for you. It's really simple. Podcastone.com slash survey. The first 250 people who complete the survey will get a $10 gift card to amazon.com. You can buy literally anything there. And two grand prize winners will be selected at random to get a $100 Amazon gift card. Free money. It's a win-win. Our shows are supported by advertisers, so filling this out will really help us cater to needs to you as a listener. It's really easy. You want to hear about things that you might be interested in. So please go to podcastone.com slash survey, answer some questions, and potentially make some money along the way. And as always, thank you for being a dedicated listener. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details.